You got that rocker, MJ in the house, otherwise known as Marty Janetti. You know how we do rocking and roll, starting and strolling, and we're doing it right here on the Rundown Wrestling Network. Keep on rocking. Yeah. Dave Thong! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Taz is here. I mean, Sal is here. And I'm here. Oh, look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it. And I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough. And it's time for the rundown. Welcome once again to another edition of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. As you can hear by my melodious tones, Troy is off tonight on assignment. I am, however, not here alone. Of course, it's Jason, and I am joined by my hetero life mate, Sal. Sal, what's going on, buddy? Greetings from Somerville, Massachusetts. Well, you, not are you anymore. in Somerville now? No, 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 no. I'm in Stoneham. Oh, don't tell people that. Well, I mean... This is how you get doxxed. <laughs> I don't care if somebody, if somebody wants to find me, come find me. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge, folks. If if I if I piss you off enough with my opinions on this show, that's your fucking fault. So, although if you want to come by, maybe give me a gift, maybe a bottle of wine, I'll take that. <laughs> anyway, yes, I'm here because I like doing this show, and I got a lot of shit to talk about this week. Um, and we got a lot to talk about because there's been um, just a bunch of craziness in the world of wrestling. But before we dive into that world, Jason, what's and going we, on? And we should you? say full disclosure: we are recording this before Dynamite, so or before Dynamite's at least completed, or we've watched it. So anything that happens on Dynamite tonight, we will not be discussing. You'll have to tune in next week, I guess, to hear anyone's thoughts on that. Um, Dude, it's 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 what it always is, man. We're finishing up fall baseball. Uh, like I said, I think I mentioned last time I was on the kids. Uh, the kid won the uh, AAU fall championship. His team. Wow. Uh, team brought together had never played before. Uh, it was a new program. They had like three practices and they just rolled kids. It was pretty impressive. Wow. It's a good group. They won the championship game thirteen nothing in three in four innings. So damn. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they did. Yeah, pretty solid job this this fall. Um, we're finishing now, town ball up, and what's that? I was going to say, from from a baseball uh, scheduling point of view, you are done for the rest of the year, right? No. No? Uh, okay. We have our last regular town fall game tomorrow, uh, and then Tuesday we'll play the two town teams. will play each other like a pizza party kind of thing. We'll oh, okay, start. okay. Say goodbye to baseball for the year at that point, and then we'll be done. But I had a baseball game yesterday, which we won 19 to 1 in three innings when the other team just decided they didn't want to play anymore. Um, then we had basketball practice for the first time this year tonight, and then tomorrow back, back to baseball. So, 
yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, but in between that, our friends are playing their football playoffs, so we're going and checking those out. It's just it's my nephew is playing his senior year of football, so we're going to his game on Friday. So it's just it's a constant stream of going to baseball games essentially. So nice um, baseball, football, basketball. It's it's a never ending sport. Um, but I don't know if I mentioned this. When I was on a few weeks ago, I meant to talk about this, and I didn't get a chance to. A um, couple of weeks ago, really cool experience. I actually got to do uh, PA announcing for college football, NCAA football. Wow. Uh, and I get to do it at Polar Park, which is the home of the Worcester Red Sox, so the uh, like the official, actual, real um, press room where the, the announcer does it. Uh, very very cool experience. Something other something for the memory banks, and I got to do it with Jackson there with me. So, uh, cool experience to share with him, and you know, VIP style, and you know, free access to whatever we wanted. Basically, it was a pretty awesome day and uh, very a lot of fun. So, wow. yeah, the the announcing jobs are starting to come in. I haven't done wrestling in a year now, but the the side projects are starting to come in fairly regularly, which is nice because they pay better. So, well, yeah, they do. Of course they do. I've actually been brought back to APW twice without actually being booked on a show. So <laughs> <laughs> they've called me twice and asked me to come back and said, well, we'll reach out when we have a date for you and never reached out. So I don't know what's going on with that, but whatever. Yeah. Like I said, these, these side jobs tend to pay better and they take a lot. I don't have to drive two hours to get to them. So now are you doing play by play for this? No, we were doing PA, so it was like... Oh, you know, okay, got it, got it. So-and-so down the side, tackled by blah, 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 for a gain of five yards and a first down. And every time I would do first down, the guy from the Woo Sox would play the Ric Flair. Woo! It was kind of cool. <laughs> that That is actually pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty awesome experience. Like I said, I, I love doing things, especially I haven't done for the first time. So uh, that was a new one for me. Wow. Who was playing? Uh, it was two college teams. I forget which two it was. Uh, the one that I was hired by, but then I forget who they were playing. So was it Franklin Pierce. <laughs> Franklin Pierce was the other team, and Assumption College. Oh, okay, I've heard of Assumption. Yeah. Um. Dude, that that's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a blast. I had a great time with it. Nice. Uh, the the guys that work up there that were they were great to us, and yeah, it was a really good time. So so that was cool. So I expect to see you uh, or hear you doing the Pats pretty soon. Right? <laughs> uh, I'll probably get booed faster than Mac Jones. But anyway. Oh! Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, those fans, you know. Uh, I'll get kicked out of there faster than the Yankees in the ALCS. Uh, so anyway, Sal, how have you been, buddy? <laughs> um, I've been okay. That was definitely not convincing. Right. <laughs> Just trying to survive, man. Got a lot going on. Um, not all of it bad, but you know, you get older and it's things that are wrong with your fucking physical yeah. well-being, and you try to deal with them, which yeah, is why I missed like... the show a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but um, it everything other than that is fine. Okay. So I'm just kind of getting through. Yeah. Sometimes that's all you can do. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Um, but, uh, job's going good. School's going good. So I can't complain there. There you go. So just about 
being able to wake up in the morning and fully function throughout the day. So. There you go. And of course, uh, I've got to ask, how's that dick? It's good. It's okay, good. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. That's uh, true. It has. <laughs> it has been a while. You know, it's know been it's, a while since we've done a show, just me and you. I know it's been a while since anybody trusted us to do that, actually. Well, so. That's a good point. That's, yeah. But, uh, but in any event, it's, uh, it has been. God, how long has it been since you and I did a show solo? Well, not solo, but just two Probably at least just uh, two of us. some point since baseball started last year. <laughs> Probably. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, we got no – we are not live on Twitch, folks, so I apologize. We will not be hearing from uh, any of our Twitch listeners tonight. It's just me and Sal. So you're welcome or sorry, whichever one applies to your attitude towards that pairing. But – uh, there was a lot of good stuff that happened in the world of wrestling, so we'll talk about a lot of that. Uh, we have our Halloween Havoc prediction results, and we'll get to our poll results, and we'll get to those shortly. But, Sal, yes, let's start sir. with my idea for a segment that I think has worked out pretty well so far. What was your most important thing in the world of wrestling this week? My most important thing, and it full disclosure, will continue to be my most important thing until something something else in wrestling happens that makes me go back and watch it seven times. And that was of the continuing of the new unveil, or the, you know, the unveiling of the new Bray Wyatt character, or characters, as, we, as it were. Um, first, we see him on SmackDown. He's doing a backstage where he's basically just Wyndham Rotunda, and he's talking about the problems he's been diagnosed with, for lack of a better term. And while he's giving us this description, his new theme song is playing. And every time it amps up, a part in the story amps up. And I'm like, oh my god, this is fucking so good. This is absolutely amazing. And then, later we heard from The Mask... Who then turned into a different mask? Jim Carrey? <laughs> um, no, we got a bunch of um, Solomon Crow type of uh, vibes on on the on the screen, and the new uh, Uncle Creepy guy came on the screen. But then he introduced Uncle someone. Howdy, right? That's the name. They didn't give it a name. I think the internet keeps giving it a name. Well, he said Howdy. That was what he said. <laughs> Yes. Well, there and was a second guy, a second and man. They have trademark <laughs> Uncle Howdy. So there was a guy who looked like an old prospector, and he said Howdy. Yeah. And then we derped out. But uh, this could be very interesting, and I like the idea that, as you mentioned, and I, I tried to talk to Adam about this last week because he was like, "Oh, I don't think Jason said that Wyatt does uh, can't be supernatural," and I'm like, "No, that is exactly what Jason said." Yeah. Um, but I yeah no I just don't I, I think that's the fastest way you'll kill this character I think he needs to be more Robert De Niro Cape Fear and less Undertaker I I think this is a good step towards that because the QR code this week in the middle of that little interruption uh, was a psychiatric report for one Bray Wyatt so this is the path I wanted the character to take where he's kind of got multiple personalities. And he probably should be locked up in an institution. So, uh, no, that's but, true. That's 
I thought it was really well done. Really fucking well done. And and the funniest thing is, we were sitting here for the past couple weeks going, okay, who's he going to fight? Right now, it seems like it's going to be himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, we've got the specter of the Wyatt Six. We've got Survivor Series coming out where we know War Games is involved. That's led to some people suggesting uh, that the Wyatt Six will be on one side of War Games. I really just don't see that. I think they're going to do a slow reveal with the Wyatt Six. Uh, I don't think they'll be done in time to have them participate in a match at Survivor Series, personally. To, to me, you don't bring back Anderson and Gallows unless unless you plan on making it a Judgment Day OC thing for World okay. Games. That, that's, to me, the most obvious one. Which begs the question, and I'll forget about it if I don't mention it now, so let's talk about it now. Uh, of course, heavily hinted, by the way, Rhea with the fucking slam on Luke Gallows, like, impressive. Um, nice. But we were hinted very strongly that the uh, the club will be adding a female member to combat Rhea. Um, who do you think they're going to get? Is the Bullet Babe still under contract? Uh, I don't know that her and her ex-husband want to work together. Oh, ex-husband. Oh, never mind. That was Amber Gallows, by the way. Yeah, I thought they were still married. Okay. I don't believe so. I Forget I about that one. Um, hmm. Well, we know from the Samoa Joe storyline that, uh, what's her name, Wendy? Yeah, she can't act. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm assuming it's going to be somebody from NXT, right? Um, it could be. Unless they're bringing in someone, but, like, who? Like, it doesn't, nobody jumps out to me as somebody who, like, <laughs> maybe it'll be Ivelisse. <laughs> nope. No, no, okay. no, I won't. No, they don't. They don't do well with people who don't act professionally in the in the WWE. Um, no, is there anybody who's not with the company right now that you can see them bringing in for this role? Uh, we kicked around a few names. I, not people. I, I mean, of course, Troy mentioned Nia Jax, which uh, you know. I don't see what her connection to the OC would be. I you know I don't either, but you know I had mentioned the possibility Alba Fire, Maybe. Uh, as we'll talk about. I think she I, I think she's primed for a WWE call up, whether it's in this role, whether it's as Abby the Witch. Um, I think we're going to see her soon, as for reasons we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, the other, to me, it's got to be somebody physically that can sort of match up to Rhea. Of course, Beth Phoenix is an obvious option. Um, given that she took the concerto from the, but you sort of expect her to come back with Edge, but who knows at this point? So maybe Edge is the fourth one for War Games again. What them? if they I, did a five on five, and they did the club and Edge, and you can kind of play with that Edge and AJ history, like you know, can they trust each other? And then you also add Beth, so then you go against Finn. Dominic and uh, Priest and Rhea, and you need somebody else, but you could wait till the night up for that. But that could be the the war games, and that feud makes sense for war games. After everything Balor and the and the Judgment Day have done to Edge and his family, war games has to be very personal. There has to be a reason. That you're gonna stick yourself into war games, and I think Judgment Day and, and Edge and AJ are the only ones that make sense. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure that uh, Troy would like to stick himself into Rhea, so, you know, there's as, that. As a lot of guys would. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, who's this? Who's the one that's always simping on our chats? I was going to say her husband. <laughs> no, no, no. There's someone in one of our... Uh, but anyway. I, I oh, yeah, it's Killy. Yeah, Killy. There you go. That's Killy what I said. Killy yes. I mean, who can blame I mean, really, who doesn't? Yeah. Right. But, uh... Yeah, I I can see it being Beth. That would be kind of easy. And again, you got to tie Edge in there somehow, right? And quickly, but um, it would be very intriguing if it wasn't anybody currently on the roster or in NXT. Yeah, I I don't know who else it would be unless you're talking like Tessa Blanchard. Um, would be a name. Now, physically, that would be somebody that could stand up to And Rhea. that's why I thought of it, but yeah. yeah. Oh, God, it's going to be Tamina. I hope not. It is, isn't it? <laughs> no, she's she's got to join the bloodline, you know. For oh, yeah, 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 that's true, that's true. All right. Well, we will get there when we get there. But yes. uh, what was your most important thing this week? <sighs> there was so much stuff that happened this week. If I had to pick one most important thing, God, it would have to be the return of our truth to NXT. I mean, other than that, what else is really? I mean, once you've got that, what else is there really to do? Um, no, so there's a lot of things, and I, I guess you know, obviously the Bray Wyatt stuff is, is huge. Um, you can say. That's, you know, the Bailey Bianca stuff was on it. For me, one of the things, and maybe it's not the biggest thing, but for me, it was one of the things that I found most interesting and enjoyable this week. The, the sort of putting of the, in the forefront of Johnny Gargano with his personality on full display. He's not playing, you know, white meat baby face underdog like a lot of people expected he would. He really is playing more of the, um, the way Johnny Gargano with the less heelish, but he's he's a smart ass. He's you know talking shit. He's making jokes. He's and I'm fully fucking entertained by him. And watching him dance on the table with JBL's hat on was fucking hilarious. Um, his interactions with the Miz I thought were great. Um, I thought the match with Corbin was good. I don't love him taking the the loss this early, but at the same time, they sort of covered it with the they covered it because you know, JBL cracked you know, dropped yeah. him on the apron, so that's fine. Yep. Um, so that's one thing I personally enjoyed. But I guess if you're talking about the biggest thing to happen, I guess you'd probably have to go over the aisle to AEW, where it appears, at least uh, to the outside observer, that the investigation involving what happened at the pay per view is over because Ace Steel has been released from AEW. Um, We've heard rumors that there's a buyout in process for CM Punk, um, and it looks like tonight they aired some vignettes sort of hinting at the return of Omega and the Bucks. I did see that. And that, of course, leads you to believe that everything is at least worked out on the end of AEW's side to their being satisfied with with where they're at. the story, after, after all out, of course, we've gone over ad nauseum, but it feels like every time something new happens in this, someone else comes out with another story. Um, 
So Nick Hausman is now hearing more from the CM Punk side of the post all out situation. Um, basically, from CM Punk's camp, the following things came out through Hausman. Um, people close to Punk thought that his remarks at the scrum didn't seem like a big deal and that the situation only escalated when the Bucks kicked in the door to Punk's dressing room, uh, which basically many people have already sort of debunked or said didn't actually happen, that they didn't bust in there, kick in his door, none of that. Um, Punk's side says that when they kicked in the door, they accidentally hit Punk's dog Larry in the face, uh, and when he took Larry to a veterinarian appointment, two days later the doctor told him that the, the dog's teeth were damaged and needed to be removed. Um, we have heard that uh, so the investigation was held up by legal action and that Punk had purchased or lined up attorneys uh, to defend himself against charges if he were sued. Uh, and Punk felt threatened and reacted in a legal way under Illinois' Castle Doctrine laws, uh, which allow for the use of force in defense of a person or their dwelling, is at least the statement that Punk's camp was ready to make in court had it gone there. Uh, they reiterated that Ace Steel's wife, Lacey, Lucy, sorry, uh, was not interviewed about the fight despite having been in the room when it happened. Uh, and was it because Hangman Page brought his behind the scenes issues with Punk up in an on air promo during their feud? Punk was said to be concerned that double or nothing match would turn into a real fight. Um, so basically what you get out of this is more of what you always get with CM Punk, which is <laughs> not my fault. It's everyone else. It's not me. Hmm. Uh, and Sal, I've been telling you that's what this guy is for a decade now. And I think now I feel a bit vindicated now that the world is seeing CM Punk as I've always known him to be. The world never saw this side other than little glimpses here and there. I told you about this side, bro. Sure. And, again, as I've always maintained, there are lots of people in this business that are despicable and are terrible, terrible human beings. Um, but sometimes a lot of that is hearsay. And sometimes it's not. Right? Like, Austin Aries proved what he was. Like he proved what he was not only his comments about Sandy Hook, but about but when he uh, took the pin from it's Johnny the Nitro. marathon bombing actually. Oh, the mar- okay, and uh, and he proved- that's what got me blocked at least by him. Well, and and then he proved what type of professional he was when he took the uh, the finisher from Johnny Nitro or Johnny Impact at the time and got up immediately and walked out like nothing was wrong. So. One thing that I will say you are absolutely right about is eventually these guys all show their true colors. You can only hide for so long. Right? Well, Punk has shown them, and we just, for whatever reason, people refuse to believe it, what they had already seen. Now, to, to your point that, you know, you don't always like, I try to do this on the show where if I if I know something, I try to let you guys know whether I don't, out people who tell me stuff, I don't put that stuff out there. Um, but when I hear things that I think are relevant, I try to let you guys know, even if it's in a subtle way. Um, but I'm never going to do that if it's not something I think is 100% accurate from the person I hear it from or the people I hear it from. So all these years when I was telling you stuff about punk, that is not stuff I was just making up in my head. That was stuff that I had heard from people who would know the situation. Okay. I would 
just like to mention that for probably a good decade, people had probably had lots of stories about how much of a piece of shit Randy Orton was. You know, I don't think he's that guy anymore. Maybe, maybe not. But that's the but thing. the difference is Randy Orton showed us publicly a willingness to do business and, and in a way sort of self-correct some of those mistakes. We saw him do that program with Kofi where he put Kofi over yes. and all this stuff. Um, so we sort of saw some contrition from him in a public forum. Never saw that with CM you know Punk. Never heard you know, it, never addressed it. It was even his first promo back. It was all WWE and Vince's fault. It was never him. He had no part in it. That was fucked you know? up. And and this is the part that really, really sours me on Punk. And it wasn't even the scrum. It wasn't even what happened with the Elite. What's fucked up to me is he had a chance after he spent five years just cutting down wrestling fans and, and how stupid wrestling was. He had a chance when he came to AEW to do exactly what he said he was going to do ten years ago, Right. And he had a chance to, as he mentioned, put over the young talent. And hey, let's go. Let's, let me, hold on, hold on. Before you go there, let's go over the list of young talent that CM Punk put over. Uh, okay, we're done. Yep. That. That's the part that really upsets me, and and kind of made me see the other way with this guy is that you made it a point to say that after you signed with AEW. You went on podcasts or, or interviews, whatever you did, and you said this is about giving back. And it couldn't have been the most it could not have been a bigger lie. Because all he wanted was to take, take, take. And we saw that as the year started unfolding. In fact there are some people that have said that his whole media scrum thing was because he knew he tore his bicep and he just felt like taking everybody else down with him. If I'm the elite, as, as you know, and this is me sticking up for the Bucks, I know, but I'm beyond pissed off when he's doing when he's at that media scrum saying that shit. Because Hangman Page may have alluded to something in a promo. He didn't come out and say, we got EVPs. You know what I mean? Like, he literally threw them under the bus. I mean, he literally said, nobody wants you here. That's sort of Eddie Kingston. (laughs) (laughs) Which, Which, again, begs the question, if all these people are saying the same thing, and we keep going, oh, this is a great work, maybe it was never a work to start with. Uh, Yeah. It's funny how you hear all these things coming out now about how much improved the AEW locker room is, huh? Look, I thought it was very interesting. One of the vignettes I saw tonight, you know, it's highlights of the elite basically winning titles in AEW as as they do. And after each, like, highlight, the actual elite get, like, almost Thanosed out. Like, they just vanish, and then there's just, like, they're not in the freeze frame anymore and they did about they did that about three or four times and then you know it zoomed out to the old to the AEW logo and i'm like so they're gonna run a story of what happened to the elite or where the elite or something like that we'll see eh. 
We'll see. It's curious. The question is, how long do they go before they put the trios titles back on them? Full gear. You think? Well, I mean, at least that's when I think the Elite will show up. They'll probably win it a couple weeks after that. But yeah. <laughs> Look, as, as much of a piece of shit as Punk is, we knew three years ago that this company was going to be about Kenny in the box. <laughs> and no, 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 no. This company was going to be about Ellis Island and workers' rights and health insurance for the talent and all the things that the evil WWE and, and openness and you know uh, transparency and we're not going to hide anything. No, no, but our... we knew it was going to be about Kenny in the box. And like, oh, yeah, 100% <laughs> we did. And like you said, the past three years, the only people that have gone over are the people that are friends with the elite or, or have buddied up with Tony Khan. Yeah. So it does not surprise me. I said this two months ago. As much as as much of a fanboy as Khan was for CM Punk, he has no choice in this matter. He has to side with the elite. Did, did you see the thing about Lana today? She's on the surreal life now. She is, but she was also on Busted Open Radio, and she was asked why we're not seeing Miro on AEW television. And she basically said, you know, Tony Khan has his favorites the same way Vince McMahon has his fa- had his favorites, and it's almost like. It's the same fucking thing between these two companies. It's almost like we spent so much time telling everybody how AEW was so different, and a handful of us had the balls to stand here and tell you guys that this shit was exactly the same, that Tony Khan was a carny piece of shit the same way Vince McMahon was, and that this business does not lend itself to transparency, and you cannot survive with transparency in this business because too many people want to take you down and will use any piece of information they can get to do so. Um, the business, the industry itself, is is cutthroat by nature. But at it's, least AEW's pulled in three point five million million viewers, right? So, in in total of everything <laughs> they've ever put out there, yeah, probably. Um, look. Everybody gets all mad too about like how can they promote that and and how can they put three point five million on on the playoff game? It goes back to what you just said. Tony Khan is a promoter. He's a county piece of shit. He will manipulate. He is no different than Jeff Jarrett. He is no different than Eric Bischoff. He will manipulate the situation and any keep way in mind, he fucking can. Keep in mind, two years ago, who came in and started to get into his ear? Wasn't it Bischoff? Nope. <laughs> Nope. Who? No, him and Bischoff are actually at odds at the moment. No, I know now, but no, who two years ago? I forget. Don Callis. Oh, that's right. You want to talk about carny pieces of shit. I forgot about that. And there's a guy who ran Impact, and mm-hmm. a lot of the same issues were he's, I guarantee you, he's advising Tony Khan in the background on how to run things, and I think you've seen a lot of his influence over the last two years with uh, Tony Khan, personally. Tony Khan is definitely not the same guy he was when his company started. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing, too. You noticed that, too, right? Like, I think the intentions were good on all sides back in 2019. You can can make friends or you can make money. I mean, that's really, you know, it's sad to say that, but that's really what it is. All Elite Wrestling started with a bunch of friends wanting to make a company. And how quickly did Cody turn on the Bucks and the Bucks turned on Cody and Kenny sided with them and but. It, it's just that's what happens in this business. Everyone thinks their ideas are what's the best idea and the, the way to get over, and 
that creates tension. It always has. It always will. And if you think it's not going to be any different in any promotion, then you don't understand the way the business actually works. Speaking of, I saw an example of this from almost 70 years ago, right? And um, I, I listened to a podcast about it because I thought I found it fascinating. Have you ever heard of what Black Monday was? Or no, uh, no, Black Saturday. Black Saturday. Well, why don't you go ahead and let everyone know? All right. So in 1984, Georgia Championship Wrestling was on TBS. And one day, Vince McMahon and Titan Sports bought the majority shares in Georgia Championship Wrestling. And because the old, the people who had the majority shares, like the Briscoes and, and some other people, sold them to Vince McMahon. So that all of a sudden... And the name on the contract <laughs> did say McMahon. All of a sudden, people like Ole Anderson were out of a job, and when people tuned in to see their wrestling at 6.05 in the South, they got Vince McMahon saying, Welcome to the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> now, it didn't last. Uh, eventually... Uh, they left TBS. Uh, Jim Crockett, I believe, came in, and that's when you started seeing uh, the NWA at 605. Um, but what fascinated me was they told the backstory of how they got there. And Georgia Championship Wrestling was like a, a theatrical written script on backstabbing promoters trying to kill each other promoters wives trying to sleep their way to the top it was insanity <laughs> i mean how is it it's wcw it, it, this is the and this is what always blows my mind is people think this business is going to be different it's the same it's always been the same it will always be the same yep um one of the promoters' wives is like she started having an affair with Ted Turner, and that's how Ted Turner like got into the wrestling business, <laughs> dude. And that that just like you said, this is what this business is. This is what this business will always be. <laughs> so so Tony Khan coming out there three years ago, and everybody else, the box. Can, this company is going to be different. We're going to have transparency. And, and uh, honestly, you and Adam wanted that. I mean, of course I we did. The early days of AEW rundown, you guys really tried your best. I think at times even doing some mental gymnastics to sort of cling to the hope that this was going to be something different. Yes, and. It, it didn't take long in that process for you guys to recognize. It took a little bit longer than it did for Troy and I. I will say that. Dude. But again, maybe that was just hoping against hope. I don't know. But at the end of the day, you guys eventually came to the same realization, which is it's not any different. It's just different wrestlers. We've all been lifelong fans of this business, right? Yep. And Adam's been doing the Adam's the one who created the rundown. Been doing it for over ten years. And I joined up probably around 2017. Well, we got to dock him time for all that time he took away. Though. That's true. But the thing is, we were at this point from, from I'd say, about 2016 to 2019, we were getting kind of sick of it with, with the way Vince was running wrestling. Dude, you could make that statement up to, like, six months ago. Right. Well, I'm thinking of, like, when AEW uh, became a thing. 
yeah. in 20, you know. So by that time, we were ready for anything else. Yeah. We had yeah. heard all the, the, the rumblings about New Japan, and we saw the Buck shirts at, at Hot Topic, and, and we heard about all the, the amazing matches Kenny Omega was having. And, and here's Cody, and he had this list, and he went on the indies, and he did all these things. And aside from NXT, which I did really enjoy, I was so sick of the way Vince ran his product that I was ready for anything to come on American television and be successful. Understandable. And and if you listen to the AEW rundown, it's funny because there's exactly 100 episodes of that show. There's almost like a curve. Like if you look on it like on a graph and you see like me and Adam's satisfaction like and, and excitement to do the show and then it just falls down a cliff as the episodes <laughs> go on. Because yep. it beat us down. It was yep. like... Look, and even now, I still watch it, and, and there's some fun wrestling on it, but none of it makes fucking sense. Even tonight, even tonight, AEW Heavyweight Championship, John Moxley defends against Pentagon. Why? Why are we <laughs> defending the heavyweight fucking championship in a match that has no build between two guys who have barely ever interacted, have no story, no history? This is supposed to be the biggest prize in your company, not something somebody grabbed out of a fucking gumball machine. Exactly. And that's how they treat this title. That's how they and treat all their titles. treat this title like it's important, why the fuck should I care? That's the problem, and that's, why, and that's how they treat all their titles. But the secondary titles, you can sort of do that kind of shit with. You shouldn't, but you can. You, yeah, you can. The You're world right. title the, should have some gravitas to it. You are correct. The not. world title should be special. Right. And there's no reason for Penn to have a match. There's no tournament And I won. understand you were one of the people, uh, and, and I think everybody was in this boat, but you in particular were very vocal about it, hating the fact that Brock Lesnar would take the title and sort of disappear for a little while at the time. At, at that time, that yes. That said, yes. when he would appear, when that title would be defended, it always felt like a special event, right? 100%. He was was and is an attraction. And when he was the champ, it meant that the world championship was an attraction. Yep. And you were lucky to be able to see the world championship be defended. Yep. Hell, that's that's kind of the way it is now in the WWE. Roman doesn't defend every show. Nope, he's not at every show anymore. No, he'll he'll defend it against a very select few. Off the topic a little bit, are you a little surprised that one of the rare Roman appearances that we have left for this year is going to be used for an FS1 episode of SmackDown? Is it really? Yeah, tomorrow night they're on FS1 because the World Series. Well, they have to... Sorry, Friday night. They have to build the crown jewel, so this is a big money match, I guess. Um, But it's a week from Sunday. He could be on... I guess he couldn't really be on the go-home because he's going to be traveling to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, especially to Saudi, so... In anyway, any so what else has gone on in the world of wrestling this week that you want to talk about? Should we just jump into the the, the, the big special premium live event from this past weekend and then yeah. go from there? Yeah, let's All talk right. about Halloween Havoc. So WWE this past weekend, or should I say NXT more specifically, held the premium live event, the return really of premium live events for NXT, I think, for the most part. Uh, we thought maybe TakeOver, but no, no TakeOver return. Just Halloween Havoc. Uh, we did have our prediction poll up on the website so that people could join. And we want to thank everybody who participated this time, including myself, Sal, God's a Juggalo, Adam, uh, Dave Castillo, 
Uh, who's bigger than Von Wagner's forehead? It's Fetus Rhodes. Uh, <laughs> the Miz, massive balls, and adrenaline in my soul. I just want to fuck Cody Rhodes. Okay. Uh, Jackson, Troy. Oh, boy, here we go. Rundown Wrestling likes to extend the thoughts to the family of Dicko Loco after a long-lasting career due to an overdose of boobs and vagina. Dicko Loco died last Sunday. He leaves 1,244 wives, 1 million children, and a house in Puerto Rico. Dicko Loco Memorial will be tomorrow night with an orgy featuring Sal's ass as the special guest gangbanger. Did you nope. know your ass was a special guest gang man? That's not a thing. I, it's right here. I just, if it's I written care. down, it's true. I don't care what. If it's written man. down on the internet, it's fucking <laughs> true, Sal. <laughs> it's on the internet forever uh... now. Uh, and he is the boobs master of the Rundown Wrestling Network. He irritates with wrestling at least six times per minute. He is the mouthpiece of Dicko Loco. He is soon to be recognized as Dr. He did not enter in the backstage fight at All Out, but he did will go all out on Mandy Rose's vagina. He is Professor Bruno Tomas, Ph.D. I thought he was soon to be. How is he going to put Ph.D. in his fucking name? He didn't. I just threw that in there. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Anyway. It stands for Pretty Hairy Dick. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, thanks to everybody. So let's talk about this premium live event. And we got things started on this show, as I think we sort of mostly expected because of NXT's history, and they want the fast start and the big moment. Uh, We got started with the ladder match for the North American Championship, featuring Von Wagner, Carmelo Hayes, Nathan Fraser, Wesley, uh, and who else? It was Oro Mensa. Yes. So, well, before we get into the, the predictions results, uh, Sal, were you surprised this start this match started the show? No, it makes sense. Get the crowd, get the crowd hot. Um, you got your, you got four of your most exciting uh, superstars in this match, and then you also have Von Wagner. So, which, to his credit, he played the big man in a ladder match well in this match. He did okay. Yeah, he did. Um, this was one of those ones that there were, it, it felt like there were several spots where the ladder didn't do what they wanted it to do and some guys weren't where they were supposed to be. And that's just the chaos that goes along with this type of match. Um, there were some fucking... I, I tell you what, as a viewer, nothing... I hate nothing more as somebody who's friends with a lot of these guys, as somebody who you know cares about you know the, the well-being of these guys... There's nothing I hate more than when I see that fucking ledge, one ladder across the ropes going through the other ladder, because you just know someone's getting fucked up. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and it was, of course, Carmelo Hayes this time. Uh, and that was the other thing. Was like It felt like every time the ladder was supposed to do a spot, somebody would land on like the edge of the ladder and not quite get where they were supposed to hit, and it just everything looked like it was a little bit stiffer than it was supposed to be in this match. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't course, look awkward and it didn't, it didn't like not have a flow. Like I, I thought they still, 
It looked like a car wreck, but I thought it, it, it played well on, on TV. So, of course, at the end of the night, Wes Lee climbs to the top and retrieves the North American title, and he is your new North American champion. The only thing that was weird to me was I, maybe I'm just so conditioned to these types of matches. Wesley took so long to get to the top and to get the belt, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh, who's coming up? Who's this? Isn't it? This isn't it? The stick." Like usually, when they get there, it's a fairly quick climb and a fairly quick grabbing of the belt. This was like he was stalling, waiting for somebody to show up, and then he's just like, "Ah, oh, no, fine, I'll just fucking do it." It was, um, it was a metaphor for him struggling to get to the top for so long. Anyway. Um, uh, real quick, which perhaps the latter should have faked the Hitler mustache then. Oh no! Um, for for how he got there. I heard he got a job again. Did he? I don't even see him. Yeah, I heard he's back in Impact. Shocking, I know. I haven't seen. I've been watching Impact. I haven't seen him back there. They said former NXT Tag Team Champion resigns with Impact, and I was like, "Well, there's only." Oh, I don't think it was him. Oh, okay, maybe it was someone else. Yeah, I think it was somebody else. Um. Did you catch the nice little intro for Trick in yes. the uh, Michael Jackson style? Yes. For yep. Camelo, for those who yep. know. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had a feeling it was going to be Wesley. Because like, like Adam had said, he didn't think it was going back on Camelo. Oh, come on. You can't, you can't leave people hanging like that. So what Sal is alluding to is that Carmelo Hayes, when he started out on the indies, uh, had a – and we've mentioned it on the show before. Yeah, I was going to say we've uh, talked about it. Especially during the was the Cruiserweight Classic when there was another guy from like Germany with a Michael Jackson gimmick. Yep. Uh, Christian Christian Casanova was his name on the Indies, uh, Carmelo's, and he used to have a uh, Michael Jackson style gimmick, complete with coming to the ring with. Well, in, I know in AEW it was uh, PYT, Pretty Young Thing by Michael Jackson. I think <laughs> there was another one he used to. I forget which one it was. Um, but yeah, so that that was sort of I think the joke there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well done though. Yes, very well done. Um, Oro Mensa, he he wasn't going to win because he's just too unknown. Like they were just like they would have got no reaction if he won the title. People would have been like, okay. And then you know I've said I I've already said what I needed to say about Von Wagner. So um, Nathan Fraser was a possibility, but um, I thought I thought Wesley was the better story. Yeah, well, and I think it was at least to me. I went with Wesley because. They had already sort of set up the story where he was supposed to have been in the match originally, and you know he got taken out, and then ended up solo, got his spot, and so I think they had been building towards putting the title on him. I just think they they spaced it out so much that a lot of people didn't get that, um, so it didn't necessarily translate, as you could tell sort of by our predictions here, because we had correctly predicting Wesley. we had uh, Bruno Tomas, we had let's say who else. Da, 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 da. We had Dave Castillo. We had Gods of Juggalo. Uh, Sal, you did, and myself all predicted Wesley. Uh, we had Nathan Frazier votes. We had Carmelo Hayes votes. We even got a Vaughn Wagner vote. Uh, so everybody except Oro Mensa got a vote. That's how sort of people weren't prepared for this story or to the build to it, I guess. Yeah. But in any event, then we go backstage and. We get the first segment of our NXT Women's Championship match as Alba Fire essentially challenges Mandy Rose and Toxic Attraction to go to the House of Horrors, uh, which seems fitting, ironically enough. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this segment involved zombies, 
refrigerators. By the way, so the refrigerator one, made a comeback. Yes, oh my it did. god, I haven't seen it since the Firefly Funhouse of horrors. Yes. <laughs> um, every time I every time I see somebody get pulled into a fridge, I just think of that Punky Brewster episode. I, I maybe it's just <laughs> scarred me as a child. It did. Poor it Cherry did. almost died in that thing. She did. Um, anyway. <laughs> neither here nor there but uh yes this was an interesting we didn't know this was going to be a house of horror segment um i mean we knew it would be a segment of horrors but not houses of horrors um jc and and gg looking oh so fine as only they can of course along with mandy and mandy has now sort of ditched the she's sort of going back slowly to the blonde look. yes you know yep. that mm-hmm. um which do you prefer do you prefer your brunette or your blonde mandy rose <sighs> It's tough, because obviously I was used to the blonde, but then she pulled off the brunette so well yeah. that at this point I think it's equal. I think I equally love both of them. If you had to guess, what do you think the carpet is? Oh, shaved. Okay. <laughs> and I don't have to guess. There's pictures for that. Anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, and if you are not on her, it's not an OnlyFans, I guess. It's no, just, you know what? She's so smart. She cut out the middleman. Yeah, she has her, her own page. fucking website, and you have to pay to get exclusive content. Yeah, and it is very good content. It is. Thank you, Troy. Thank you, Troy, for sharing those things. Um, I also liked how JC Jane did wanted nothing to do with it. She's like, I'm not going in there. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they're like, come on. Yeah, and I thought that was... The, the, to just, well, we should just split up. No, have you ever watched a horror movie? That was pretty funny. You never split up. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Um, it was well done, and it was, of course, a little bit of a toss back to uh, was it Halloween Havoc last year when Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams went in there looking for Dexter. Uh, Dexter, yeah. That's right. So. Um, we then went back to the arena for our next live match, which was the, I guess, grudge match between Apollo Crews and Grayson Waller, uh, which was a spin-the-wheel-make-the-deal match, and earlier in the night we had found out that would be a casket match because reasons. Um, so we got you know a bunch of obligatory Undertaker references, and we got Druids, and we got... You know, Apollo Crews going into a casket but being slammed through it so it didn't count because the lid didn't close. And uh, at the end of the day, Apollo Crews wins. Did this match do anything for you, Sal? Because it didn't for me. No. Um, two very talented people here Apollo Crews and, and Grayson Waller. They don't need, and I understand it's Halloween Havoc, but this gimmicky bullshit did not play well into this feud. It's just the wrong gimmick. The, the yeah, casket like, match. Don't fucking do this for these two. You don't need to. Just make it personal. No reason. There's no reason for a casket match for these two. There's just it doesn't fit the characters. It doesn't fit the like. There's so much stuff you could have done. You could have done a pinfalls anywhere match. Right, you right. Done, that would have been fine. You could like. There's so many options you could have had, but a casket match just wasn't the right fit. And then to bring out a second casket, it's kind of because you did the spot where he goes through it. It's kind of like. Well, why did you have a second casket ready to go? Like, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was yeah, the first part of um, the night where I was like, oh, I can skip this. I'm not. Ready. Yeah. <laughs> well, successfully predicting Apollo Cruz to win, Bruno Tomas. Uh, sorry, I got a 
something here. This, I'm trying to figure this out. It was sent to me on the fly. Thank you for putting this together, by the way, Troy. Uh, Jackson had Apollo Crews. Uh, Cody the one who wants to fuck Cody Rhodes. Uh, Dave Castillo. Uh, Adam. God's a Juggalo. And myself. Sal, you picked uh, Grayson Waller. Why did you pick Grayson Waller? Uh, because he's the... For lack of a better term, uh, he he's the young stud that I thought they were going to get a nice little win on pay per view. Eh, but he had already beaten Apollo Cruz. That for me, I guess, was the ceiling factor. He already he already had the win over Cruz, so he sort of even already had the. That's true. You know, I pinned you in a real match. You threw me in a casket. Whatever. Yeah, but, that's what he used this week. So. Yep, made sense. Uh, next up, the Weapons Wild match between Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade. This is probably the longest built feud on this pay-per-view, actually, between the two of them. This one has been going on for, what, like six months now? Um, second match between these two, Weapons Wild. Uh, what would you think? Well, before we even get into that, we did get another uh, pre-tape with Albafire beating the crap out of Toxic Attraction, throwing Mandy in a car, and driving away. I wanted her to be like, where to, Mandy? <laughs> uh-huh. um, ugh, I guess they're driving to the... she pulls away, you see that the license plate says beating you? Oh, my God. I guess uh, I guess they're driving to the arena, because that, that's believable. I'm going to miss Mandy. Uh, yeah, the Weapons Wild match was fine. I think Cora Jade... Look, I understand everybody's talking about Roxanne Perez and how great she is, but to me... Cora Jade's the one that stands out as as the the superstar coming Ooh. out of this. Ooh, all right, we're gonna disagree on that. Really? Because I just yeah. think she just just the look. I think Cora has it nailed down. The personality, the attitude, and in this match, I thought she looked pretty vicious using the weapons. And plus, how can I get behind Roxanne Perez if she's gonna hesitate when she's a when when she has her up on that? Um, Bukaki balcony, and she's about to throw her off, and she she has second she has second thoughts. She doesn't know if she can do it. You That's can't. the whole storyline of this feud, so yeah, but you can't. I can't get behind that. You're a wishy washy so, baby face. So I my issues with this match was that it seemed they both seemed tentative on a lot of the weapon spots. They both seemed to like stand there and wait for to get hit by stuff. It just felt a little off. Um, silly thing, I, I think. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that Roxanne Perez's gear was sort of it-inspired. I think that was the motif she was going for. Yeah. Problem is, and it was sort of similar to Riho, um, the shorts were a little too baggy, and they almost had like a diaper quality about them. <laughs> Wasn't a great look, although she does have a nice little butt on her. Yeah, but um, like you said, it was... Mm. It, well, the, yeah, the gear was not great. Um, Cora's gear was fantastic, as it usually is. Um I don't know, Cora. Attitude-wise, character-wise, I agree with you. Persona, persona-wise, yes. Cora's not there as a performer in the ring yet, for me at least. No, no, I don't think she she's the be-all, end-all. I think she's got a lot of potential. Of the two, Roxanne is by far more advanced in ring at this point for me. Yeah, but the problem is if your if your if your character is plain white toast, then who gives a shit what you can do in the ring? We've seen that all over AEW. Um, so. I mean, Daniel White was Daniel Bryan was plain white toast when he started too. 
and it wasn't until he developed a huge personality that people right. really but got But he had way more time to develop that personality than she's been given so far. So That's true. And the crowd is very clearly behind her, so she doesn't need to build up that, that fan base already. She already has it. So The you trick is you, now... Do you really see her... Maybe that's the problem I have is the personality. Can you see that personality beating someone like Mandy Rose, like for the title? Yeah, yeah. You got I think you got some work to do to get there. I don't know. I think I think they got it. Anyway, um, Cora wins with the Pop Rocks on a stack of chairs. A lot of chairs which were turned upside down, like turned the wrong way, so that the edge of the bottom edge of the chair was sticking up. So that had to be a tough bump for uh, Cora Jade to take. So yeah. props to her. She didn't hesitate to take it. Obviously, for Pop Rock, she has to just throw herself into it, and she did. So credit to her for that. Wait, you said Cora wins, but actually Roxanne won. That's why I meant to say Cora. Yeah, sorry, yeah, not okay. Roxanne. I was, talking, I was about to talk about Cora taking that bump, so that's why. Um, so, of course, selecting Cora and it being correct in the tournament, and I'm sorry, the tournament, the predictions poll, uh, was Troy, uh, your ass is your, your gangbanger of your ass, Dicko Loco, uh, d- 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 the guy who wants to fuck Cody Rhodes, uh, Von Wagner's Fetus Rhodes, sorry, I, <laughs> we need to just put real names on some of this shit, uh, Adam, God's a Juggalo, Sal, you and myself all having Roxanne Perez correctly predicted. Um, you know, hopefully it was a nice way to blow off this feud. Hopefully they're done and they can both go on to doing some other stuff with some different people now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, of course, followed that up with the ambulance match between Damon Kemp and uh, Julius Creed, where the stipulation being, besides the fact that it was an ambulance match, that if Julius Creed lost, Brutus Creed would be done in NXT for good. Um <sighs> I mean, it was all right. It was just there for me. I, so my first instinct here is we've got very limited time on these pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an episode of NXT this past week with two tag team title matches, and we take our one of our better tag team guys and we put him in a singles match on this show. This seemed more like I, I would have rather the women's tag title match that we saw in NXT this week, which I had a lot of issues with in and of itself, uh, but I would rather that get a spot on the, the Halloween Havoc card than this match. I don't. I just. I haven't been into this feud. I'm not a big believer in Damon Kemp yet. Um, my bigger thing: Damon Kemp comes out wearing his Diamond Mine sort of gear that he was wearing back then. Like, feels like there hasn't been a lot of change to Damon Kemp since he turned heel. Like, you look at Cora Jade; she's sort of turned around. She, she's changed her look a little bit enough, and her attitude and her swagger. Like, Damon Kemp really hasn't. The character hasn't connected with me. He's, he's been solid in ring, no doubt about it, but, eh, I mean, and of course, I think the other fact, and this is sort of interesting to me because I think the other factor going into this was because I looked at it, at least, and I'm guessing, Sal, that you did too by looking at the predictions, that you go into this and you're like, there is no way they're kicking Brutus Creed off NXT yet because they're not ready for a call-up and they're not going to lose him off TV, so... right. So just by that step, we were like, oh, Julius is going to win. And we say that, but when we look at the prediction poll results, uh, Dicko Loco, uh, Cody Rhodes fucker, uh, Fetus Rhodes, Adam, God's a Juggalo, you and myself all picked Julius Creed, but everyone else actually picked Damon Kemp. 
and I don't understand really how you picked Damon Kemp or thought Damon Kemp was going to win this match. Um, to me, it was just the most obvious match on the card. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, for me, the night that I saw it with the Creeds was when they won the tag titles, when, like, their parents were in the crowd and stuff. I thought, this is it. This is, like, their star-making moment, right? But then, ever since then, I feel like we've gone backwards with this whole Demon Kemp feud, and I don't give a fuck about it. And then I it got know. weirder this week on NXT. Cause they... I think Diamond Mind, in gen- Diamond Mind in general has been boring and not really anything that I've been super engaged with. So any feud centered around a breakup amongst Diamond Mind is not going to get my interest falling. No, that's the thing. It's Diamond not going to Mine... titillate my juices. Yeah, as, Di- uh... Diamond Mind has been struggling for a while, so this doesn't make it better. <laughs> so... Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, anything else on that match, or should we move on? Uh, it was... I, I felt myself very having a difficult time trying to pay attention to it. All right, which brings us to our next match uh, for the women's championship, also known as Railing Miss Mandy Part Two, as Alba Fire <laughs> continues her taxi ride all the way to the arena, where she and Mandy Rose have their finally have their actual women's championship match. Uh, predictions on this one: Congratulations to Troy Jackson, uh, Dicko Loco. Uh, Cody Rhodes fucker, uh, Fetus Rhodes, Dave, uh, and you, Sal, for selecting, correctly selecting Mandy Rose. For my money, I sat here and I said, I didn't think Alba Fire was ready for a call up to the main roster, and Mandy Rose had already beaten her once. So it was sort of one of those deals where if you're not going to move her up, now you have to put the title on her because once she loses twice, then there's no point in having her in NXT anymore. And she lost twice. You so know, now that's that's sort of my thing of like, okay, they must be doing something else with her, moving her up. So the thing with me is that this played off very similar to like a Kane feud back in the day, where it's like you have this like unstoppable monster, and in the faction and their heel champion just keeps trying to like run away from him, and then eventually you defeat him at the pay-per-view because you all gang up on him. That's what this was to me the whole time. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, there was no doubt in, that Albafire was going to lose, unless she got back up, and she never did. So, Well, and I think, at least for me, there was the element of, I think they're going to do something with Mandy Rose and Toxic Attraction going up to the main roster, too. So, uh, you know, that pl- probably played into the minds of a lot of people who were picking uh, Albafire. But, as you mentioned, Mandy Rose, with the help of Toxic Attraction, retains the title. Um, I have said before, I've been on record as saying, I think Roxanne Perez is the one to take the title off of Mandy Rose. Who do you think it is, Sal? Um, it's a shame, because like probably a year ago, I would have said Candice LeRae would have been a perfect candidate, but... You know, things happen, things go a different way, and she's doing much better on Raw as it is. But, yeah, I mean, it probably could be Roxanne Perez. Um, I just don't think I'd be that excited if it is. Um, and when I look up and down the women's roster, there's nobody that really sticks out to me. Like, I love Nikita Lyons, but she's not at the point yet where she can take the belt off of Mandy Rose. No, she is not. And everybody else seems like they're in a tag team, so. 
Uh, yeah, nobody really jumps off the page because. So, so the question was: Does anybody jump? Was not? Does anyone jump off the page? Sal, the question is: Who do you think takes the title off of her? Make a pick. Let's go. I, I guess Roxanne. Okay. Way to way to fall right in my footsteps there. <laughs> anyway. That brings us, of course, to the NXT Heavyweight Championship triple threat between Braun, Baker, Braun Breaker, the champion, Ilya Dragunov, the challenger, and J.D. McDonough, the other challenger. Uh, this match blew my fucking socks off. Love uh, this match. These three fucking killed it. Um, absolutely. Start to finish, 100 miles an hour, never felt like it got slowed down, never felt tired, never felt disinterested. Um, every it, this was exactly what a triple threat should be. Every time you think there's a pin, something happens. The, of course, the iconic moment. I think at least NXT wise, the iconic moment. JD McDonough after uh, was torpedo Moscow, and Ilya Dragunov. It looks like he is locked in, and he is your new NXT champion. Ilya Dragunov, uh, JD McDonough slides in and grabs the referee's arm on two, and breaks up the pinfall and stares a hole through Ilya Dragunov. Um, just beautiful, beautiful storytelling. So about that, <laughs> um, I completely got thrown when I first saw that because I went, did did McDonough stop him in time? Because that's how close it was. Yeah. It looked like the ref hit three. Yeah. And then you realize, no, he grabbed his hand right before then. And what a great shot with the camera, yep. the way they kept it tight, so that you didn't see McDonough sliding into the shot, and the look on Dragunov's face, fucking beautiful. Yep. Um, what I really liked about this match is it picked up, I felt like it went through the basic triple threat stuff in the beginning, yep. but then it, it hit another gear, and once it hit another gear, that's that's when it caught my like attention for good. Yeah. Yep, 100%. Uh, so, of course, Braun Breaker with the spear on Ilya Dragunov successfully defends the NXT Championship. Were you a little surprised it was Dragunov that took the pin and not McDonough? Yeah, but then after Wednesday, I can kind of see that they're they're getting behind J.D. McDonough right now. But he's already beaten McDonough one-on-one. That's sort of the stuff that old NXT never did. It was sort of like, we always said, well, you're never going to beat him on the first time, but they always beat him in the first time. Right. Uh, now, I don't love the guy losing his match and then having to come back. It's just never a great look for me. Uh, anyway, not a lot of people, I guess, yeah, there's more, more people picking Braun Breaker to lose now than have in the past. Uh, successfully picking Braun Breaker to win. Troy, Jackson, probably Jackson because he didn't know who the other two were. Uh, Dicko Loco, uh, Fetus Rhodes, Dave Castillo, Adam, uh, you and myself. So sure. the final tally for the predictions poll, uh, with two, we have, uh, Dicko Loco. I'm sorry, Bruno Tomas with two, correction. Uh, we have Troy with three. We have Jackson with three. We have, uh, Dicko Loco with four. We have, uh, Fetus Rhodes, uh, sorry, Cody Rhodes fucker, correction, with four. Uh, Fetus Rhodes also with four. Dave Castillo with four. Adam with four. God's a Juggalo with four. And winning the Halloween Havoc predictions poll tied both you, Sal, and myself. How about five that? Out of six. Five out of six. Now, of course, this also begs the point this broke the mold of the traditional five match NXT premium live event with six matches. Yeah. 
Um, we probably didn't need that Julius Creed. Um, probably not. Demon Kemp match. So. so so now there was the first of all, thank you everyone who participated in the poll. We love you guys and all the support. Thank you. Um, but now let's talk about where we went with NXT this week because there is a couple things that happened. Uh, first off, we had the women's championship match between Nikita Lyons, Zoe Stark, and uh, quietly hot Katana Chance and Caden Carter, I guess. Sure. Like, you don't jump on them as, like, the super hot chicks, but they're pretty pretty cute. Like, right? No, I, I, I dig them. Sure. Yeah. Which one do you dig more? Oh, Caden uh, Carter. Yeah, same. Anyway, um, so for those of you who haven't watched the show yet, basically what happens is we do the we do I, it's I guess we're gonna call it the dusty spot, um, the dusty roads finish, the dusty finish, whatever however you want to refer to it. Um, but basically, Caden Carter and uh, Casey Catanzaro or Katana Chance, sort of fuck the calling now. Uh, lose the tag titles to Zoe Stark and Nikita Lyons. Yes, that's her. <laughs> it has been a long fucking day. Uh, I don't know why those, that name would not come out of my mouth right there. Uh, anyway, and then of course the the wrong person had been tagged, had been pinned. They had made a tag. So, of course, a referee comes running out to reverse the decision, restart the match, and Carter and Chance retain the titles. Now, this shit pissed me off, Sal. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Rightfully so, I might add. And, and this was this actually happened twice on WWE programming this week, and it pissed me off both times. Um When do we ever do this? Never. Never. So why are we to believe you can't do this once? Like, if you're going to tell me you have a referee backstage watching to correct any mistakes like this, then this has to be the norm. This has to be something we do all the time. Otherwise, we can't do it. Exactly. We have had countless matches, especially recently, end because the referee didn't see something. Oh, well, there's no instant replay in the WWE. You're damn right there's no instant replay in the WWE, and that's how you've trained your audience. There is, the referee's decision is final. That's what we've been told. Except for when there's a second referee that decides he's going to run down and be like, but wait, there's more. What kind of fucking bullshit was that? Yeah, I just, I hate that shit. I really, really do. And they took it further this time, because in the past, I've seen it before, I've never liked it. But yes, the the challengers win the titles, and uh, there's some controversy, and then they restart the match. But they took it as far as playing Zoe and Nikita's music, and them holding up the belts, and then being like, oh, we have to restart the match. Fuck you, we have to restart the match. I'm taking my belt, and I'm leaving. You knew something was wrong when Chance and Carter were just standing there not you know, leaving the ring or doing anything. I, I hated everything about this. And even yeah. afterwards, as much as I thought, like, oh, maybe this leads to a heel turn for Zoe or Nikita. Nope, they're both like, keep your chin up. We'll get them next time. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. 
Uh, also on this edition of NXT, we saw the debut of the newest member of the Schism. Uh, of course, we've seen the masked person in the red sweatshirt handing out flyers and stuff. For the first time, we noticed that that person, that individual, was wearing a skirt. Uh, so when she, when she was unmasked, I think we were, if you paid attention, you were prepared for it to be a female. I don't know that I was prepared for it to be Ava Rain. Uh, actually, Simone Johnson, the daughter of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, is the newest member of Schism. What are your thoughts, Sal? Uh, well, I give her credit because she tried to to uh, get some insta-heat with This Is My Real Family. I thought yeah. that was nice. Um, I wasn't expecting Ava Rain. I guess I'll see how it goes. Uh, it it kind of makes sense with with Gacy's whole inclusive. Well, and if you if you message. look at the, the landscape in NXT, you have a lot of these groups that are forming partnerships with like a woman in the mix. Where you look at Fallon Henley with Briggs and and uh, Jensen, and you have Lash Legend sort of palling around with Pretty Deadly, and there's a, there's a lot of these groupings that are starting to pal up here in NXT. Mm. So. Reminds it sort of me. <laughs> it's funny because uh, it feels like everybody's taking the formula. What? Uh, do you remember what the original Sanity did yep. with uh, with Nikki Cross being just as you know integral as as the men in the group? Yep. And um, it's it's a formula that's been that kind of works. I mean, f- for all intents and purposes, we have a, a brand new China on on Monday Night Raw. Like she she's getting them the wins. She's she's the one getting the heat. So uh, I'm not opposed to Alba Fire being part of this group, and I think Gacy's creepy, just creepy enough sorry, that it Ava, works. Ava Rain, not Alba Fire. Oh yeah, sorry, uh, Ava Rain. <laughs> um, I'm not opposed to Ava Rain being part of this group, and I think Gacy's got the. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I think Gacy's creepy enough to pull this off. So basically, uh, anything else from this week's NXT that you want to talk about, Sal? Uh, yeah, one one thing in. In particular, um, we got a weird vignette where we heard what is supposed to be the the answering service for the Performance Center, and uh, there was a guy who started uh, talking in a weird mechanical voice. Heavy breathing. Heavy breathing. Clearly jerking off in the background. Obviously. Um... And I think he said his name was Scripps. Like, you know, like the bad scripts that WWE is used to writing. Um, is this Dijak, and why is this Dijak? I don't think this is Dijak. Dijak had his own promo with the mask burning. Isn't this the same thing? I don't think so. Okay. This is a different thing. So then who's this? No idea. <laughs> Uh, how do you feel about them using the Performance Center voicemail as a storyline tool? I don't know. Tony Khan used his voicemail as a storyline mm-hmm. tool, right? That's true. So, of course, the stands will be telling you that they stole this idea from Tony Khan. Cause... Well, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. I don't like when either company does it because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nobody, nobody fucking uses voicemail in, in 2022. They just text. Drop yeah. that shit. True. Um so even if I call someone and they don't answer, I don't leave a message because I know it's going to pop up on their phone that I called. So yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, call me back. Exactly. 
So, um, anything else from this week's NXT besides scripts? <laughs> no. So let's talk about the other thing that pissed me off that's similar to what we started talking about NXT with. The main event of Raw this week saw Bailey and Bianca Belair go one-on-one. Yes, it did. Now, we saw the reintroduction of Nikki Cross as she took out uh, basically damage Everyone. control, the referee, <laughs> both competitors, and attacked uh, Bianca, which allowed Bailey to score the pinfall. Here's what pissed me off. Nikki Cross takes out the referee on the floor with a crossbody block. Nikki Cross then beats the shit out of Bianca Belair, mm-hmm. and Bailey covers her. At which time, another referee runs down to make the three count. So what you're going to tell me is that Jessica Carr was watching on the monitor enough to see the other referee get taken out by Nikki Cross, Mm -hmm. enough to see Nikki Cross beat the shit out of Bianca Belair, and she ran down not to disqualify anybody, not to end the match, but to count a three count. What the actual fuck? Well, you see, Jessica Carr must have just walked out of the bathroom, well, she, she, looked at the monitor. No, 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 Sal. <laughs> she's, she's a fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is AEW referee levels of bad. Well, y- yes and no. This, this is storyline le- AEW storyline levels of bad. Like, this is bullshit. <laughs> right, but it's the oblivious referee style that <sighs> AEW did for so long that we all railed against. So we've got to call it out here, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It just... It makes no fucking sense. It makes everyone look bad. Because, again, if the referee assigned gets stretchered out and you have to bring in another referee, that's one thing. But if uh, the fact that, like you said, Nikki Cross was shown beating the shit out of Bianca, huh? and then that's what led to the pinfall, I don't understand. Jessica Car heel? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I don't like the she, fact she she a beautiful woman. I don't like the fact that Bailey lost to Bianca at the pay per view. Her whole no no, no 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 sorry damage control lost to Bianca damage all control th- all three of them lost to Bianca three on one handicap match they all lost to Bianca and now Bailey gets a win but it's non title so now we're just gonna do this again for the next title program. Well, no, what we're probably doing is creating a triple threat match so that Bailey can win the title without Bianca having to eat the pen. And the third person in that match is going to be Nikki Cross? Yes. Speaking of AEW levels of booking, what the fuck has Nikki Cross done to deserve a title shot? She attacked the champion. <sighs> I'm over that trope, too. So. Wow. Yeah. That's a trope I think we'll never get past. Um but it is interesting to see Gone is almost a superhero. Uh, this wasn't quite sanity Nikki Cross, but it was like it was almost like a glammed up sanity Nikki Cross, right? It was an evolution of the character, in my opinion. Yeah, I liked it. I dug it. I thought she looked good. I liked that, and, and he hasn't done a perfect job, but I did like that Kevin Patrick was said something to the effect of, well, that's not the Nikki Cross I remember. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's good. It's good. Lay that groundwork yeah. that that superhero thing was bullshit. Nikki yeah. never fucking bought into it. Or maybe she did, and she just, you know, the crowd never cheered for her, and they never got behind her, so fuck them all. She's back to being crazy Nikki Cross. Right. I'm down. Um, yeah. No, it's it's an interesting story, so we'll see where they go with it. But um, you brought up Kevin Patrick, and that just made me think of Booker T on the Halloween Havoc event. Holy shit. No, 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 no. Okay, I, uh, full, full disclosure, I didn't watch the week, uh, the go-home for NXT to Halloween Havoc. So I didn't see Booker T with Vic Joseph. I didn't. I had heard, uh, you know, you had mentioned the host thread, how, how awful he was. But I hadn't actually heard it for myself. So this, this week, I watched Halloween Havoc, and I watched NXT last night. And I was like, holy shit, Booker T does not belong in this generation. He's worse than when JBL was on commentary for that one match. <laughs> He's, him and Taz, it's the same thing. It's both of them. But Booker T. By the way, I'm glad you I'm glad you came along on my camp on Taz last week. Was... Well, I was so disappointed because <laughs> if you actually like, because especially now that he's on Dynamite more, since um, Jim Ross isn't, mm. he's been he's just used every cliche in his old bag of tricks. It's. Mm. He doesn't know what he's fucking talking about half the time. I, he, I believe that's a yam bag of tricks. He's he, he's more worried about popping Excalibur than he is about the storylines. Like, yep. to if you're not gonna fucking do it right, then don't fucking do it. Now Booker T, he thinks he's doing something right. He called he called uh, his play by play Joe Vic, which he uh, also said he was looking <laughs> for his sucky ducky quack quack moment of the week. He did. Yep. He absolutely did that. Uh, he also has brought back his top five because it's all about Booker T. Fave five. Fave five. That's right. That's right. Wasn't that like a T-Mobile tie-in when they did that originally? Probably. Yes, because you could have Fave five in your circle. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think that was where Booker T started doing. That was a tie-in a promotional thing with T-Mobile. Yeah, and as long as they were in your circle, like you didn't get charged for extra fees or whatever. But right. what a dumb fucking... Anyway... <laughs> Um, yeah, Booker T this week was atrocious. In fact, not only was he atrocious, he was also offensive. Um, because at one point, Quincy Elliott, uh, helped out, who the fuck? Oh, uh, Shotzi against, um, Lash Legend. And Booker T's instant reaction on TV was, what is that? (laughs) Like, I mean, he was dressed as a banana. Not when he... No, that was at Halloween Havoc. This was just a... a oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just the way he said it just kind of made me, like, cringe a little yeah. bit. I was like... Yeah. I'm glad to know that Adam doesn't like Quincy Elliott either. It's not just me, then. Yeah, dude. I, I, was, I was actually worried about saying that I didn't like Quincy Elliott, yeah, but then he same. brought it up first, so I was like, oh, yeah, good. Same. Because there's nothing really redeeming about Quincy Elliott. I mean, I, I don't. Just, I don't, I don't see like it. any character where it's just like my character is. I'm I'm a flaming gay guy. Right. Like that's it. That's all I am. That's uh, just like like to to the point you guys made last week. I have no problem with wrestlers who are gay. I don't like wrestlers whose gimmick is I'm a gay guy. Right. Because it's always done 
in the worst possible way. Now, and add to that, and over and above that, the guy's not very good as a worker, at least not yet. Right. Um, and that's the I, other thing. Too. But he's over, so we're going to see more and more of him. I, I guess. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. Um, you could argue that Sonny Kiss uh, plays a very similar gimmick, but when I first saw Sonny Kiss wrestle, I, I thought he was talented. I thought he was very athletic. I can't say that about Quincy Elliott. He moves right. around the ring like Viscera. So, yep. and then his look is just not. I'm trying not to be offensive. It's since when? When have you ever? <laughs> to me, his look, the way the way he wears his gear, his body shape, it just doesn't match what's on TV. It just looks awkward. Yeah, and and I don't know. Maybe maybe this is the place for him to do that in because it's developmental and he can kind of retool it. We've seen a bunch of people retooling their gimmicks, but for now, I'm not buying it. Actually, you know what's really fucked up is that this week was the first time that I looked at Lash Legend and I went, "Hmm, I like the new gear." Same. So, see, yeah, it may. Yeah. There is a certain aesthetic you should have if you want to be a superstar in the WWE. Right. And and some people have it. Some people don't. And some people have to work on it. Some people don't get it instantly. She, she raided Linda Miles' closet. <laughs> was it Shaniqua? Yeah, it was. Now, there's a name I haven't heard in a long right. time. <laughs> How is that for a random poll right there? Right. Um... All right. Anything? I I just looked through. I didn't see anything else really from Raw Super. We already talked about Gargano, but we talked about else? Gargano. And he he made it a thing that if Miz doesn't come clean, uh, he'll come out I, and, and I, blow the whistle I, on him. I've got a whistle. I've got a whistle. Got a whistle. I'm gonna blow it. Um, <laughs> so I thought uh, Finn Balor and Carl Anderson had a great match, by the way. Well, <laughs> you know, I, all the Good Brothers bullshit aside, Carl Anderson really is fucking super talented as a wrestler sure and of course working with someone like finn like those two know each other for the past 20 years like yeah that it's gonna work pretty right. good sorry um, you were saying about johnny i was I interrupted there um so what do we think that this secret is i know we've kind of tossed around a few of these but like in reality on on monday night rob we're not gonna do like a a total attitude era jerry springer storyline Miz's kids are going to be his own. Then we're not going to go there. All right. You want to know what I think it is? Yes. For, for storyline purposes. I think the storyline is going to be that the original reality show was supposed to be Indy and Dexter. And Miz and Mrs. stole it. Really? Yep. <sighs> Maybe. Indy had an, an interesting situation on NXT this week. She she beat Sol Roca, right? Yeah. Ruka. Ruka in the girls' second match. Yeah. Kinda easily. Talk about somebody who's not ready for TV, shouldn't be on TV yet. But who Sol Ruka? Yes. <laughs> She's gorgeous. Yes. But shouldn't be on TV yet. Yeah. What ever happened to Tiffany Stratton? Where's she been? No idea. I thought she pulled her shoulder or something, but I might be wrong. Probably somewhere chewing Wendy. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, so I, I thought that was an interesting thing with Indy, like almost like a character change. But then, uh, right after that, Indy got attacked by Electra Lopez. So, guess not. Uh, okay, so here's the here's where I think they're going with with Miz and Gargano and, and Dexter. I think that Miz promised Dexter like a roster spot if he got rid of Champa. And he did get rid of Champa. And now he wants his roster spot. But why would Miz want uh Dexter to get rid of Champa? Maybe he thought Champa was stepping in the spotlight too much. The whole where's Champa thing is definitely a part of it because he's been very adamant about mentioning that the past couple of weeks. Well Johnny shot it down. Johnny said you said it now here saying where's Champa? I just got off the phone with him. Yeah. So that I think that has to play into it. Uh, maybe. Who knows? We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. That's interesting. Uh, Rey Mysterio had a pretty good match with uh, Ludwig Kaiser on SmackDown. I got to tell you, I, I've honestly reached a point where I just have no interest in anything Rey Mysterio anymore. I know. We talked about that last week. It's nothing against him. It's just it's the same old shit. So it's like, what are you gonna do different? Nothing. Okay, I'm checking out then. Yeah, and this whole I'm not gonna fight my son. Well, yeah, because we need to stretch this out till Mania. So right. you will fight your son. That's that's inevitable. We know how this goes. We've watched this before. <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, um, for now, if he's gonna waste time putting Gunther, Gunther over, that's that's good for Gunther, I guess. Uh, uh, you already touched on Bray Wyatt from SmackDown. Uh, let's see, I did Alice from SmackDown. That was really of significant interest. Obviously, we've, we're going to wait and see what happens with the bloodline after uh, Jey Uso disobeyed. Jey disobeyed. Hey, um, am I on to something here? Do you want Jey to be right? I want Jey to be right. It would be interesting. It would be funny. I want everybody to see that Sammy's a shitbag. But I, I do, I do think my favorite thing was was when Jay helped Sammy win, and he's like, "See, I, I did that all on myself. I don't know why you're trying to take credit for my." And then like Solo backs him up, and he's like, "Yeah, dog, I didn't see you do anything. What are you right. talking about?" And it's like, "What the fuck? I helped you win." Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, oh, what did you think? Because I know we touched on about about JBL and Johnny Gargano. On the one hand, initially, I was kind of annoyed with JBL going at Gargano. Because it's JBL, and he definitely makes Gargano sound like a piece of shit. Um, oh, he'd be carrying my bags and the Attitude Era. But then I thought about it, and I was like, no, you know what? Maybe this might actually work in Johnny's favor. Because you do want to punch, you do want him to punch JBL in the face. Yep. So all that shit with like the hat, that's gonna work. Now I still I still not behind this whole new Baron Corbin thing, but I guess if JBL does most of the talk, but I like Gargano. Like, what are you? Are you happy? Are you? What are, are you? King? Like, you've had so many goddamn names. Like, who are you? That's um, true. <laughs> Liv Morgan, of course, sort of continued to debut this new character against Sonya Deville. What'd you think of that? I I welcome an aggressive, violent, sadistic Liv Morgan. She should be that after losing the belt so quickly. Have you checked out Liv Morgan's butt stuff? Yes. Yeah. I if you haven't, if, if you don't uh, watch Sheamus's Celtic Warrior workouts, 
you should definitely check out the most recent one because you got Liv Morgan talking about dicks and butt stuff. Oh, um, I did have a question for you, though. Uh, is our truth going into the Hall of Fame? Is he retiring? Is it his birthday? They were in his hometown. Yeah, on Raw. Why was he on NXT? <laughs> he just got lost on his way to Raw. <laughs> the, the craziest part to me was Truth comes out on Raw, and I'm like, really? Archer, okay, yes, we're in North Carolina. I get it. But he does his whole entrance, and I go, holy shit. The R-Truth the thing, when he came out and did the whole you know, ladder match, and like, you're not even in the match. Oh, that's my bad. Like that was fucking hilarious. That, okay? Yes. When he came out and with Brock Lesnar there said he was going to challenge Paul Heyman. And you could go back and watch one of the few times you see Lesnar absolutely lose it in the ring. Like that shit was good. But when he goes out, he's like, "Well, I can, I'm going to challenge you at Halloween Havoc." Like no, it just happened. Like stupid black guy trope. I, I just I'm not there for it. No, I, like I you said, the Brock one was really funny, but right. But him two nights in a row, I was but not. But it feels like now we're just bordering into sort of something that's. It feels uncomfortable to watch for me at least because it feels like we're stereotyping now, and I don't love it. <sighs> it's. It's just not needed, especially two nights in a row. I understand you want to do comedy with the Miz. That's fine. And and technically, you could have even played on their history because because we had the Awesome Truth tag team at one point, uh, a team that challenged John Cena and The Rock at Survivor Series. I might add. Oh. Um, but no, it was all just hokey bullshit. <laughs> I just, uh... I I am one hundred percent here for Mustafa Ali and Seth Rollins though. Ah, there it is. That should be really good once we finally yeah. get there. And I liked what Seth did this week, um, costing Ali the match against Theory. Yep. yep. Yeah, Seth is doing a lot to elevate. Now you talk about CM Punk. Who who did he elevate? How many people has Seth Rollins elevated, really, when you think about it? I mean, this is a guy who's been a multiple-time world champion. Um, but he, you know, all he does is give back. Like, 100%. He's not worried about his spot. He's not worried about the title. He's not no. worried about main eventing. He's just like, wherever you need me, you want me to do this thing with Riddle? Well, I'll make it the best thing you've ever seen. Yeah. And for those of you who are wrestlers, who might be wrestlers listening at home, you want to ensure a long career in the business, be like Seth Rollins. It's true. You know, he's been there for all, over 10 years now. Yeah, oh yeah. That's fucking nuts! <laughs> and not only been there, but been there, like, other than injury, has been on TV and been very prominent and been over. So, uh, so one more thing I want to talk about before we get out of here, uh, and this is on tonight's episode of AEW, so I hope I don't spoil this for anybody, but once again... FTR loses the opportunity to challenge for the tag team championships. Why do we continue to tell me this is the best tag team in the world and they can't compete for the AEW championships? 
they lost to Swerve in My Glory. Yeah. So so the team that's on the verge of breaking up from based uh-huh. on the promos that we've seen the past couple weeks beat the supposedly best team in the world. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's wow. happened. Okay. Yeah, see that's the that's my fucking issue with AEW recently. And I don't and and, and granted I understand you only had 2 years of storylines written in that notebook, so once that notebook was done, you had nothing left to do. But this is some of the most fucking idiotic booking I've ever seen in my life this past year. This year in AEW. They were not... Th- Everybody's like, oh, this is how they always been. No, no, no. They weren't this bad in 2021. No, 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 no. It's gone down the drain. We are doing things to spite other things that we've already done on the same show. Does it feel like it's worse since Cody left? Probably, yeah. I don't know how much like Cody, Cody was, was involved the, in everybody's day-to-day story. I feel like but. he was... I, I, I don't know. I just get the feeling like he was the one that would be willing to tell Tony, no, this is not a good idea. Sure, but I... Do you think Cody really was involved in everybody's storyline? I think I think Cody was much more involved than any of the other EVPs. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, um... It's just they do things that make no fucking sense. Yeah. This week alone, uh, again, not spoiling anything, I hope, but, uh, and, sorry, I almost said Antonio Cesaro, Claudio Castagnoli beat up the entire Jericho Appreciation Society by himself and then pinned Jericho. So I'm like, oh, so it was that easy, so. So why'd you lose the title? Exactly. I don't know. Uh, there's a myriad of problems with an AEW. I just don't like the stories that they tell no. because they don't make sense. They're not... Um, and you know they're going to fuck up this Moxley MJF thing, right? I was going to say, they're not intuitive. They, they, there's no con, uh, continuity. And and they can't, so fuck by the way, they can't fuck up this Mox MJF thing. All you have to do is have fucking MJF win and have Mox way, go the, away. <laughs> by the way, the company that doesn't believe in rematches... Uh, by virtue of tonight's match, have booked a rematch for the tag team titles, uh, set up a rematch for the ROH championship, yes, and are heading into the next pay-per-view with a rematch from a previous pay-per-view for the World Heavyweight title. So, Speaking of things not making sense, why are we putting uh, Brian Danielson against his stablemate in Wheeler Utah? Like, what the fucking purpose does that serve? We literally just did this with Chris Jericho. And, 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 and yeah, that's true. <laughs> And also, is Moxley part of the stable or not? Because he wasn't involved in that backstage segment, so he just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> the whole thing is... Like, this is the worst possible use of Brian Danielson. You sign a guy with that name recognition, with that, who can go in the ring like that. I, I will never understand putting the title back on Mox in that tournament instead of putting it on Brian Danielson. Well, that was my thing. Um, and you know I'm a big Mox fan, but... Yeah, I'm sorry. We We did what we needed to do with Mox and Punk the whole fucking summer. And here's your chance. Now you have a window. Put it on Danielson and go. Yep. And then they didn't. And I was really like, why is Brian Danielson always losing his feuds in this company? Right. I don't get it, man. He's one of the best in the world. Still. There's a guy guy that went there and tried to do 
what CM Punk said he wanted to do 100%. and put over a young talent. Yep, that's true. Tried to elevate Daniel Garcia. He's trying to do the same thing with Willie Uta, but Did it for Hangman Page. Did it for Hangman. Absolutely. You don't talk about Hangman's title reign. The, the most memorable part of Hangman's title reign was his matches with, with Danielson. It's frustrating, man. It's very, very frustrating. Yep. Uh, speaking of frustrating, real quick before we get out of here, Elias is back on TV as yeah. Elias. I'm a little disappointed we never got to see Elrod. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed in some of Triple H's booking the past few weeks, because now it seems like we're starting to slip back into where we were before he took over. I hope, I, I very much hope that Kevin Owens is injured. Not because I want him to be injured, but because we started really heading in the right direction with Kevin Owens again, and then he just disappeared. Well, he was on NXT last week doing a, a talk role, show segment. not a wrestling role, though. Right. So that, so that would play into him being hurt or dealing with something. Um right. But yeah, we were we were lighting him up. He was red hot, and then we just yeah. got away from it. Yeah. Huh? Do you do you feel that there is a possibility, especially around this time of year, where we just kind of fall back into old patterns for the WWE's no. booking? No, because we're still seeing actual quality matches on TV being given time and characters being developed which like i said we're talking about mustafa ali and seth rollins getting stories you know getting time on tv so these are the things that weren't happening before yeah hunter said something on smackdown on the season premiere when he said um when you think it's it's over it's just beginning right mm -hmm. now some people said that that was him talking about his health problems and and how he had been kind of pushed out of power prior to Vince uh, leaving. And then other people said, no, this is in regards to what he's doing with the roster because he keeps bringing people back. So now it seems like we are getting... See, I, for the record, I read that as him saying, when you think things are going away because Vince is gone, no, 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 we're just getting started. So that's that's how I read that. Okay. Um. It does seem like he has been doing surprises every week on TV now. No, he hasn't. Well, we just got Nikki Cross back this week. There, but there have been there have been plenty of weeks where we haven't gotten surprises. Okay, uh, maybe but, it was just a few in a row because we had but, Brock come back. But we should be getting like moments that make us go, "Oh shit!" every week. Sure, we really should. But the the more you have of them, the less impact that they have. I mean, it's like blood on AEW. <laughs> right, which is why, you know. Hunter, Hunter, keep in mind, Hunter's still in the, the honeymoon phase of him, him running this job. He's still trying to put his own mark on this, this position and this role, and he wants to bring in his people, and you can't do it all at once, so he's sort of slowly doing it. Um, I love Zelina Vega with Legato. Oh, I, I do. love a lot yes. of the things he's been yes. doing. So. I love Zelina Vega with Legato. Um, I love the fact that he brought back Bray Wyatt. I, I, I'm fine with this Braun Strowman versus Omas thing going into Crown Jewel because it's for Crown Jewel. The people, the fans over there will love that shit. It's a hoss fight, yeah. Two giant fucking dudes. That's that's fine. Do I want to see that program continue after Crown Jewel? No. Fuck no. No, I do not. So. <laughs> 
<sighs> Next week will be Crown Jewel predictions, actually. Oh, that's as good a segue as I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> so if there's nothing else. No, there isn't. Uh, and Sal, thanks for hanging out and talking some wrestling with me. I had fun tonight. I had fun, man. This was good. All right. Well, hopefully we'll be we'll have some more faces here next week, and I guess that means we will run your ass down next time. Bye bye. You're just feeling. Listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundown wrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Network. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling, and you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash the Salzer Effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production. <laughs>